Jesus is Lord of my spirit. Jesus is Lord of my soul. Jesus is Lord of my body. Amen. We're studying spirit, soul, and body. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. We'll go there just to catch everybody up to speed. Hallelujah. Very important scripture. It says to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we know that the word has to be divided. That's interesting, rightly dividing the word of truth. If it's not divided right, it can become not truth. It's like Brother Hagin used to say, this would be an example of not rightly dividing the word of truth. It says, uh, Judas went out and hung himself. And there's another scripture that says, go and do likewise. And if we put those two scriptures together, how many of you would know that wouldn't be rightly dividing the word of truth and it would cease to be truth. Amen. But when we rightly divide the word, then it's truth. And it sets us free. And the reason Christians aren't more free is because they're not studying to show themselves approved or the, even if they are, if they're wrongly dividing the word of truth. And we found out last week that the word that we divide it according to the Jew, the church, and the nations because all scripture is inspired but not all of them are written to the church, which we are. Not every scripture is written to the church. Hallelujah. God put things in here for the Jews to read and he put things in here for the nations to read or the nations being the sinner the unsaved man unsaved person to read and sometimes some of those are not going to even be read until we're in till the tribulation i mean there's going to be some people get into the word in the tribulation they're going to be hunting our bibles down looking for our Bible. And you know, there's people that are making videos and everything for, if you miss the rapture, I've seen video titles. If you miss the rapture, listen to this video, listen to this tape, you know. There's people already preparing things for, telling them what to do if they miss the rapture. Hallelujah. We're not going to be one of those. Amen. And then turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and this is another way where we divide the word. Rightly dividing the word of truth. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And this is awesome. It says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. One of my very, very favorite scriptures in the word of God. And I stand on this scripture on a daily basis that God, you are preserving my whole spirit, soul and body blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word holy means whole, complete, undamaged and intact, functioning. Amen. Keeping your body functioning Complete, undamaged, intact, no missing parts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's just, oh, I tell you what. And so that's awesome. But the part we're going to focus on tonight is that in this scripture, we find that we are three-part being. And it's not the only scripture, but this is one of the main ones. And it says, I pray God your whole spirit, and then he puts an and, and soul, and body. If he had just said, I pray God, your spirit, soul, and body, well, we might could have, you know, said, well, it might not be three parts. And most people only recognize two parts of man. In fact, psychologists usually recognize that a man has two parts. 
unborn again psychologist who don't know man is soul and spirit but man has three parts spirit soul and body so important that we know that and that we take scriptures and interpret them from the light of spirit soul and body because you can take scriptures that are talking about your spirit and try to apply them to your soul and you go this doesn't work like for instance in first john you can't hardly understand first john if you don't understand the book of first john if you don't understand spirit soul and body it talks about that we don't sin and you go, well, you know, I know I do. And it says I don't. So I don't understand this. Well, you got to understand John's talking about the spirit man. And in your spirit man, guess what? You don't sin. In your spirit man. Hallelujah. God's dealt with sin in the spirit man. You've been born again. Well, let's get some of this up on the board. Hallelujah. This is God. He is light. God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. God is spirit. And we're not going to worship this graven image here. Some people would take real offense to us even putting God on the board, you know. But we're not going to worship it. So y'all can calm down about that. And this is man who is not born again. His spirit is dark. His soul is dark. And his body has got sickness and disease in it. It's subject to sickness, disease of every kind. It's just subject to the things of this world. And so we depict that as being dark. Here's the devil. He's dark. In him is no light. Hallelujah. No light whatsoever. He is a renegade spirit. Here's Jesus or Adam. This could be Adam before the fall. It also could be Jesus. Jesus called the second Adam. Or it could be the born-again man who has his mind renewed. His soul is prospering here. This, the soul is the white part here. He's got a prosperous soul. His mind is renewed. And his body that is working out into his body. And his body is beginning to have divine health and divine life in it. Amen. Everything that God does for us, he does in the spirit. He does in his spirit, and it radiates from our spirit out into our soul and into our body. So if a man has a born-again spirit, but his soul is dark, in other words, he doesn't have a renewed mind. He thinks like a sinner. He just thinks like people in the world think. Then the good things that are in his spirit always have to come through our soul to get to our body. That's why in 3 John chapter 2, he said, Beloved, I desire or I pray above all things that ye might prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. If you don't get the soul to prospering, don't matter how born again you are, you're not going to have health and prosperity in the body. Sometimes we look at sinners, and Psalms tells us not to be envious of sinners because we look and we say, oh, look, they're prospering. But they're really not because money is not the sign of prosperity. It's a part of prosperity, but it's not the sign of prosperity. Death is reigning in their lives, and they have no solution for it. Man is in God's class of being. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Man is in God's class of being. You are in God's class. You are not like the animals. Animals are two-part beings. Animals have souls and they have bodies. Your little animal at home that you call your pet, and some really do think they're kind of human, but they're not. And they think they're going to go to heaven and all sorts of things like that. And if God takes them to heaven, that's fine, but it won't be because they're three-part beings. 
because they're not. They do not have an eternal spirit. No animal has an eternal spirit. Animals only have a soul, which means they have emotions, which means they have a will. My little terrier has a, terriers have stubborn wills. They are very willful, stubborn dogs, all terriers, and a little bit hyper, too. So they have emotions. You know, you can yell at your dog, and, and emotions, the little tail will go between their legs, and they'll have emotion. They can look at you when you're leaving and look so sad, you know, and when you come home, even if you've just been gone 10 minutes, they're just so excited. They don't really have a concept of time, for one thing. They are just two parts, but they have a mind, they have will, they have emotions, and uh, can be very willful just will to do marvelous things. You've seen dogs save people and, and travel thousands of miles to get back to their owners and all sorts of things that are acts of the will, just being determined. And we see human beings that aren't born again do all sorts of miraculous things just with the will. The will of man is very strong. But we are in God's class of being. Genesis 1 verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created created he him, male and female, created he them. So we've been created in God's image. Now John 4, 24, it says God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is a spirit. So if we're created in God's class after his image, then we have a spirit. We have a spirit just like God had. In fact, God is a three-part being. He's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And we are spirit, soul, and body. Amen. And before uh, Jesus came, he was always in existence and he was, it was Father, Word, and Holy Ghost. He was the Word before he was Jesus and had the name Jesus. Proverbs 20, 27, another scripture that talks about the spirit of man. Now, I will tell you this, that in the Old Testament, there are hardly any scriptures that talk about the spirit of man that use the word spirit and it's referring to the spirit of man. The word spirit is used a lot, but it's not referring to the spirit of man. It's either referring to the spirit of God or it's referring to spirit like a demon spirit or an angelic spirit. But when it refers to the spirit of man, it's just a few times, just two or three times in the whole Old Testament. And each time that it's used, it's used prophetically. It's a prophecy of what was to come. Because God did not deal with the Old Testament man according to his spirit. The Old Testament man had a fallen spirit. He was from Adam after Adam fell. When Adam fell, he began to look something like this. Genesis 2.15. Uh, in the day that ye eat of it, ye shall surely die. That's what he said. And so that's what happened. He died spiritually. Now he took him 930 years to die physically. He went ahead because there was so much light still in his physical body. But there began to be darkness in his soul. Immediately, you'll remember, he began to fear. And see, we're beginning to see there was total light, and now there's beginning to be pockets of darkness because he began to fear. He began to have all those negative emotions and negative things in his mind. He just began to disintegrate little by little, but there was so much life in him that it took 930 years for it to get completely out in his body where he could no longer live. 
That's how long it took. This is another example of this. It could be the Old Testament saint like Abraham. This would have been something like Abraham looked if you could see his spirit, soul, and body. And Abraham's the father of our faith. But he was not born again. His spirit was dead unto God. But he had some light. He had some revelation to what God had spoken to him. He had some light according to what God had spoken to him. And King David, this would have been looked like King David would have looked. And he had a lot of light. He, I know he had the, the Torah to read and, and uh, some of the prophets to read and he could read those scrolls and he had some revelation he had a partially renewed mind they walked in health in their body they walked according to covenant if they walked according to obedience to the word of God then God promised them health in their bodies and they had life in their bodies but God could not deal with their spirits he could not talk to their spirits they were not alive unto God in their spirit man. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We're anointed from the inside out. We have the Holy Spirit within us and upon us. All they could have is the Holy Spirit upon them. It was like a mantle and it came upon them. The Holy Spirit would rest upon them and they would be anointed to do whatever they were supposed to do by that Holy Spirit that would come upon the outside of them. But they were not alive unto God. Now babies are born looking like this. They are born alive unto God. When you have a little baby, that baby's alive unto God. They're born pure. They're pure in their spirit. They're pure in their soul. And they're pure in the body. They're born alive unto God. And they can hear God's voice. In fact, they hear Him pretty clearly. And they will tell you things that God showed them. They see in the spirit realm easily. Little bitty children see in the spirit realm easily. A lot of them see angels in their room and they'll see all sorts of things like that because they're born alive unto God. And then in Romans it says, Paul said, I was alive once unto God and then sin revived and I died. And so a child is born alive unto God. See, I used to think they were born with a fallen nature. Used to teach that. But it's not true. They're not born with a fallen nature. They're born alive unto God. And they're born with pure spirits. And then they fall when sin revives. They fall. Then that's when they have to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Proverbs 20, 27 is one of the Old Testament scriptures talking about the spirit of man prophetically. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. So our spirit is the candle of the Lord. That's where God resides and that's where the life is. That's where the light is. Man was created to live as long as God lives forever. Man was created an eternal being. He was to be the companion and associate of deity. He was to walk with God. This is Adam. Walk with God in the cool of the garden. We know Adam uh, walked with God in the cool of garden. He was the companion and associate of deity. He was to have authority over all the laws of nature. Turn to Genesis 1 again, verse 26. He was to have authority over all the laws of nature. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And look in verse 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That's really interesting. Replenish. You can think about that for a day or two because it's already been plenished once if you have to replenish it. Hmm, and subdue it. He said, subdue it, subdue the earth. So he had authority over all the laws of nature. 
in order to subdue the earth. He said, subdue it. That means bring it into conformity. Bring it into subjection to you. Subdue it and have dominion. He said, have dominion over the fish. You have dominion over fish. Now, Adam lost his dominion, but Jesus got all this back for us. And more, and more. We are a higher order than even Adam was. And I'll show you that in a minute. And have dominion over the fish. So you have dominion over fish. Next time you go fishing, don't leave it up to them. Because you have dominion. Don't let a dog bite you. You have dominion. You know who you are and you subdue it. Don't let the bull gore you. Over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth. Say that moveth. Upon the earth. Family, if it moves, you have dominion. If it moves, you have dominion. That means you have dominion. I tell you, you have dominion over this man too. I'm talking about if somebody comes in your house. Well, I tell you, if they're breaking in your house to do damage, they're not born again. And you've got dominion. You've got dominion. You've got dominion. If it moves, you've got dominion. Hallelujah. Let them have dominion. Let's talk about Adam for a minute. Adam was born again in reverse. Started out like this, and he was born again. He was the first man to be born again, but he was born again in reverse. In other words, he died. Maybe y'all don't like it to say born again, but he died. He was born again in reverse. He became a partaker of Satan's nature. Now he is a new satanic creation. That sounds horrible, doesn't it? He has a fallen nature, and he is not sealed by the Holy Spirit. See, Adam, he was not sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's the difference between you and Adam, is he was not sealed by the Holy Spirit. Why did God not seal Adam? He created him, created him perfect, knew when he created him he was going to fall. Talk to the Word about it. Already had the plan before he created him. He, he told the word, Jesus, he said, you know, I'm going to have to send a redeemer. He's going to fall and I'm going to create a man and he's going to fall and I'm going to have to redeem him. And I'm going to have to send someone. I'm going to have to send someone. Somebody's got to go and redeem man. And Jesus said, I'll go. The word said, I'll go. And the Bible says in Revelation, he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. When God created Adam, he already saw him redeemed. The reason he didn't seal Adam was because every man has to make the choice. He couldn't just create a robot and say, oh, look at my man. Look at my man. Satan was already in the earth. Satan had already fallen from heaven. You know, he had already sinned and fallen from heaven, cast out of heaven, kicked out of heaven. And uh, Satan was in the earth, and man had to have a free choice. And he couldn't just say, okay, I'm going to put him there and nothing. And, I, and no, he gave him a free choice. So he didn't seal him. Hallelujah. He was just, he was free to choose, and we know he chose wrong. God knew he would do that. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. Every man has to choose. Every person has to choose. Every child has to choose. Parents cannot choose for them. I don't care if you baptize them 29 times when they're babies. 
See, that's the parents trying to choose for them. I'm going to choose for my child to go to heaven. You can't choose for your child to go to heaven. Your child has to choose. Your child has to choose for themselves. Your husband has to choose for himself. Your wife has to choose for herself. God created man with a free choice. God will never force a man. The devil does, he tries to force people to do things. But God will never force a person to receive salvation. He'll never force someone to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All of it is free choice. 2 Corinthians 1.22 20 For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the spirit in our hearts when you get born again you get something Adam didn't have see you already made your choice when you get born again you're a fallen being choosing God you are a fallen being choosing God and you get a seal Put on your spirit. If y'all can see that, that's a little piece of plexiglass. <laughs> that I don't know if you can see it. But anyway, just to give you an example of how we get sealed by the Holy Spirit. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 1. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, Ephesians 1.13 says, In Ephesians 1.13, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. After you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now you're sealed. We'll, we'll go ahead and read Ephesians 4.30 while we're on it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed, how long? Until the day of redemption. You are sealed until the day of redemption. So your spirit man is sealed. I'm telling you, I don't care what you do in your flesh. I don't care what you do in your soul. I don't care what words you say, what woman you get with. You're not coming unsealed by the Holy Spirit. You've been sealed and that sin does not penetrate your spirit. Therefore, it doesn't matter. You're going to go to heaven. Now, if you choose to sin, you're going to have hell in your body on earth and you're going to have hell in your soul. You're going to live a living hell while you're on earth if you don't stay away from sin. But you'll go to heaven when you die. There's one way to get unborn again. It is a choice. It is actually an act of your will to deny Christ, to literally say, I do not want Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I can take you to Scripture and verse. Other than that, you're staying sealed by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Your inner man is perfect. You're created in the image of God. The Holy Spirit is inside of you to lead you, to guide you, to give you a no, 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 don't do that. Don't go there. And so I'll tell you, the born-again man or woman that's in sin is the most miserable of all creatures. Sinners are not miserable when they sin. This man is not miserable at all when he sins. He enjoys it. A lot of times we counsel with people and the, maybe the wife's born again and the husband's not and I just don't understand why he acts that way. You just hadn't read the Bible then. Because there's no other way to act. And that's why God said don't you dare be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Don't be unequally yoked with unbeliever. For what fellowship does light have with darkness? I'm telling you folks, when you marry an unbeliever, you are sleeping in the bed with this. I mean, sometimes we just don't see it like it really is, and we go, well, he's a good person. 
Oh, you are sleeping in the bed with this. It's scary. Before the fall, Adam was spirit-ruled. He walked and talked with God, who is a spirit. His senses were subject to his spirit. In other words, the spirit was in control. He had five senses, just like we do, but he was not being led or motivated by those. He was operating in full mental capacity. 100% mental capacity, complete light in his soul. That's why he could name every animal, every microorganism. Adam, God paraded every animal in front of him, and he named every animal. I mean, God, I'm sure God walked in the garden, and he had something. He said, Adam, you can't see this, but but there's there's some little amoeba or something here in my hand. Name it, you know, or something. And, you know, Adam named it. I don't know. Maybe he could see it. Maybe he had... Some sort of supernatural vision too. But things we can't even see, Adam named. Amen? After the fall, his spirit was subordinate to his senses. After he fell, all of a sudden the senses are in control. He now relies upon his senses, Adam does, because he's fallen. That's what we're trying to get out of. See, we're born again, and what we've got to do is get our mind renewed so that we quit relying upon our senses. We're not led by what we feel. We're not led by what we see. We're not led by what we hear. We're not led by what we smell. We're not led by what we taste. That's what we're endeavoring to do is to get the Spirit in control of our lives. Amen? And we're all renewing our mind and we're passionately renewing our mind in order to get more and more Christ-like, more and more like Jesus, more and more with our senses in subjection to our spirit. That's what it takes to walk by faith. Walking by faith simply means I'm believing what I know the Word says more than I'm believing what my senses say. That's all walking by faith is. And the Bible says that we will walk by faith and not by sight. Adam became ruled by fear and death was working in his body. In Psalm 142 verse 7, it explains a lot about the sinner and the unborn again man now. Oh, don't even think about marrying. Teach your children this. Teach them not to even date someone that who is not born again. I believe if I marry them, they'll get born again. Well, it's too big a risk to take. Because God can't promise you they will. God won't break their will. We have heard stories where it did turn out okay. I have heard stories about Christian women that married men that were not born again. And it turned out okay. They did end up getting born again. But family, I've heard so many more. It is rare for it to turn out okay. Psalm 142 verse 7 says, Bring my soul out of prison. This is David and he's praying. Bring my soul out of prison. David, a prayer when he was in the cave. Bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Bring my soul out of prison. See this man, this unregenerate man David, his soul, this part of him, was in prison to his fallen spirit. He was like, oh God. You know, they wanted to be free of that fallen spirit, the Old Testament man. And they saw redemption They saw it by faith. The Bible, you read Hebrews uh, chapter uh, 12, and you know that they saw it by faith. The Bible says they believed in faith and died not having received the promise. They knew knew what we were going to have. Hallelujah. But they died still with the man like this, and they couldn't go to heaven. 
They could not go to heaven because no man that looks like this, no spirit being that is dark goes to heaven. And so even though they were good people, and you know, you sometimes see people that are lost that are good people. The only reason lost people are ever good people is because somebody, mama, grandma, or somebody taught them morals. And they may not have ever received Jesus Christ as their Savior, but if mama taught them, don't lie, depending on how much they respected mama. You know, they may not lie. They may have just something about them that I'm not going to lie. Even the lost, many of them, I've noticed is this is the mentality of the lost. It's sleep with anybody and everything till you get married, but don't cheat once you're married. Even the lost really don't think it's right to cheat. Now, some of them do, but they think if you're married, you should not cheat. And that comes from having a Christian nation where there's morals. And that's why we need the Ten Commandments. You and I don't need the Ten Commandments. The Bible says that's all written in our hearts. So we don't need to carry around the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not go over them every day. But we need them for them. We need our judges to judge according to those Ten Commandments. And that's why we need them. Is we need it for the lost man to keep him in line. Hallelujah. And that's the only way you can keep him in line. That and a police with a big stick. The spirit that is not born again, let's get this guy back up here. The spirit that is not born again is in harmony with Satan. So when you marry this old guy, and we'll always put it over on the men. Since I'm doing the teaching, I'm going to put it on the men, okay? You marry this old guy and you don't realize he's in harmony with Satan. You know, the Bible teaches that he does not object to sin. Only if he's got some sort of a moral teaching will he have any objection to sin. And you turn the heat up high enough and he'll still sin. Because he can't help it. John eight forty four. You know, when you go into business with this guy, whoo, Lord help. Got a partnership, a business partnership with this guy. It's a conflict. Amen. You know, you got your little born-again child, and the teacher looks like this guy. Oh, man, teaching them all sorts of crud about evolution. And the teacher said, the little child not knowing says, I got healed or something. That's not the way it's supposed to be, is it? Hallelujah. And so you're marrying to him, in business with him, dating him. I don't know what else we could think of. But anyway, it's not good, is it? Because John 8, 44 says, Jesus said, he spoke to him and he said, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. So you get married to this old guy and you're married to somebody whose father is the devil. We say in our marriage vows, let not what God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Folks, God don't join these folks together. He can't. He don't join them together. You can't join these two spirits. Well, you can't become one spirit with this guy. I don't care how long you live together. You're not one spirit. Now you get to be one flesh. The Bible says he that joins himself to a harlot becomes what? One flesh with a harlot. So you can join your flesh all you want to, but you'll never be joined spiritually to this guy. I don't know what God considers it. He says, though, you know, because sometimes we start out and we both look like this. 
You know, sometimes it was an equal yoke. We're both sinners. You know, and we look just both look just like this. And one of us gets saved. And Paul gives instructions in Corinthians what to do if that happens. If one of you gets saved and he says, uh, if they're willing to dwell with you, don't leave them. But he says, if they depart, let them depart. He said, if that old guy departs, won't won't you know if he departs, let him depart. Hallelujah. But if he's willing to dwell with you. Brother Hagin taught us that if they're beating you, they're not willing to dwell with you. If they're not supporting you, they're not willing to dwell with you. You know, if they're abusing you, they're not willing to dwell with you. If they've got a mistress, they're not willing to dwell with you. And they're subjecting you to every kind of disease in the world. Amen? If they've got a mistress of drugs, they got a mistress if they're into drugs and they're addicted to drugs, they're not willing to dwell with you. And if they've got a mistress of alcohol, they're not willing to dwell with you. You've got to be led by the Spirit once you get saved and they're not saved. Here's what I tell women. I'll just tell you now. I say, if there's grace to stay, stay. If you can stay and you can dwell in peace, God's called us to peace, it says. If you can stay and have peace, if you can stay and live the abundant life, John 15. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying everything's perfect, but nothing's perfect for any of us, folks. I mean, we're all having to overcome. But if you can stay and you can have life and life more abundantly, then stay. If God is asking you to stay, and there's alcohol, there's drugs or something, and God's saying stay, there will be grace to stay. There will be a grace on you where you know it's there, but you live above it. Now that's what I believe. Hallelujah. I believe that lines up with the Word of God. So this man is in harmony with Satan. He does not object to sin. His father is the devil. Look at Acts 23.1 says, Paul told Agrippa, he said, I lived in all good conscience. He told Agrippa, he said, I lived in all good conscience. He had murdered people. See, this guy, his conscience don't bother him for sinning. His conscience not bothering him for being out on the street doing drugs and dealing and selling to children. And we're going, you know, and it's just getting worse and worse. You're thinking... How could somebody starve their children? Things, three children, how could you starve them to death? How could any human being do that? Their father's the devil. I mean, how could you murder a woman and cut her womb open and take the baby out? You don't even think humans could do that. Dogs wouldn't do that. But you've got to remember, dogs' father is not the devil. <laughs> get you a good dog. If you want to get married... <laughs> Don't marry this. Get a good dog. <laughs> get your watchdog. <laughs> Don't marry a bum. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> At least the dog's father's not the devil. Hallelujah. Now, cats, we're wondering about. <laughs> I know. Just, uh, just kidding, but... Whew. I'm telling you, but let me tell you something now, and I'm not trying to put this all over on cats, but the devil can influence dogs. When the dog tries to bite you, that's the devil trying to work through that dog. Pigs can have demons. Jesus sent them there. Dogs can have demons, be demonized, and cats can have demons, and I promise I've seen some. You could see it in their eyes. <laughs> Ooh, nasty looking. 
And dogs can have demons. I know Michael's mom had a dog and it had a demon and it tried to bite preachers. It only tried to bite preachers. And it bit her preacher. And that's the only time that I, and we just have never had words in front of any one of our parents, ever. We've never had a crossword in front of our parents. We've had some at home alone, but not in front of our parents. In front of our kids, we've had some, but in front of our parents, we always act nice. But his mom's dog bit him one day. I guess we didn't know we had dominion that day, or maybe it snuck up on him. I don't know. And I, I was just livid. I was just, I don't know. When fear tries to come at me, sometimes it'll come out as anger instead of fear. It'll manifest his anger. Oh, I was so mad. And after that was over, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you want my mother-in-law to ever see me again, you better get rid of that dog. That dog disappeared. Nobody knows where it went or what happened to it. It's gone. Now, I mean, you can get passionate enough in your prayers that God will do what you say. And that's what we need to do. These little passive prayers we pray, you got to get passionate and I was so upset because that dog bit him. I don't know why because it didn't hurt him that bad, but it just struck me wrong. And, you know, I was so passionate. It was like, and the Lord knew I meant business. And he wanted my mother-in-law to see me again. He got rid of that dog. That dog disappeared. Nobody knew where it went. She got another one, and he's just passive. He's the same kind of dog, but just, just passive. Turn to Second Timothy 2, and we'll close with this. I want to finish up this little segment. We need to be aware of the spirit realm. You know, I guess I could cast the spirit out of that dog, but really it belonged to her. It wasn't my place to cast it out. And explaining that to my mother-in-law would have been interesting. Uh, mother-in-law, your dog has a devil. I don't think she would have caught it. Second Timothy 2.24. It says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive. Now that's talking about us, right? But be gentle unto all men. It's talking about how we minister to the man who is not born again. It says we're not to strive with him. But be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, so we can teach them, but we're to be patient. He said be patient with them. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. They oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So we do have to teach them, and we teach them what we teach them about God, we teach them about the Word. The Jews believe that they're to be the teachers of the world. That's why they study Torah and study Torah. They believe they're called to be the teachers. And we as Christians, we're called to teach the world. And you're a teacher. You may not teach up in front of the church, but you're going to be teaching somebody at work. And I just would encourage you, don't start with something you're going to strive about. And if they strive with you, he said, don't strive with them. And, you know, don't start with tongues. But that's always what they want to start with, isn't it? They always want to know about tongues. And that's why you have the Holy Spirit inside of you is to be led. Because sometimes that could lead them right in, talking about tongues and explaining it to them. They're very fascinated by those things. Hallelujah. In verse 26, and it says, And that they may recover themselves, listen, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. See, they're in a snare of the devil. And they have to be taught. They have to have truth given to them before they can get out of this snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. That is so interesting. The Bible says this man is taken captive by the devil at the devil's will. Now sometimes some sort of morality or something can cause them to resist doing evil. But that's why you read about things that happen on the streets in Birmingham and stuff and you're going, how could any human do that? You know, we just paunch our teeth at them saying, how could they kill three policemen? How could they do that? Don't they even think about the policemen's families? And no, they don't. 
And sometimes they even have regret later. You know, we'll see them on TV and they'll be crying in the courtroom or something because they have regret. But they are taken captive by Satan at his will. Family, it's dangerous to marry an unbeliever because they're taken captive by Satan at his will. It ain't necessarily going to get better. It can get worse. It's dangerous to yoke yourself with this man. Now, we're to minister to him. We've already read that. We're to love. We're to show the love of God. But we're not to yoke ourselves to the man who is not born again, the person, because they are taken captive by Satan at his will. But the devil's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once. We've got the Holy Spirit inside of us, and the Bible says we're holding back. Boy, the minute we're taken out of this place in the rapture, this place is going to be so lawless. Because by the Holy Spirit, we're holding it back. We're holding it back right now. That's what the Bible says. It says we're holding it back. And you can see that places like Iraq, where there's not as many Christians holding it back, they're just very lawless at this point. And becoming more and more so. 